right, guys, welcome to the Blockash Podcast, episode 240. Today we have Adnan. He is in charge of Threefold, and we're going to be talking a lot about what they are doing. Adnan, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Doing great, Brandon. Thank you very much for having me. Hello, everyone listening in. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. There's a lot of exciting things we're going to talk about. Um, we've got a bunch of questions for you today. Before we dive into it, tell me a bit more about yourself. I'm sure people are curious. What's your background like? What's your story? Um, how have you made it so far in this world of crazy world of crypto and blockchain? Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate it. Definitely. Um, my journey really started, um, I think I graduated in 2004 from California, ended up uh, getting a phone call from my father who was in Dubai. And he said to me, Adnan, you need to check this place out. It's, it's blowing up. It's an incredible place. It was really this renaissance period. Come check it out. So I packed my bags, flew over to the Middle East, and uh, I landed in Dubai. And I have to say it was one of the most incredible places to see. It was really just exploding in terms of buildings and opportunities, missing gaps in the market. And it really, for me, it, it, it triggered sort of this entrepreneurial bug. My background is in international economics. And I think I went very, very far away from <laughs> what I did in college and then ended up sort of veering more towards entrepreneurship. I built uh, my first company when I was 26 years old, and I ended up building a series of eight companies thereafter, mostly to do with, um, first of all, brick and mortar. I built construction companies. I built companies in health tech and then eventually moved into more software uh, broadcasting companies. And very fortunate to have worked with some incredible people, incredible mentors, and the region really boosted the success of these companies. I think it was the heels of an exit in 2015. This is where my journey really started coming towards the beginning of what Threefold was. I had uh, co-founded a company that did panoramic stitching technology. And it was all about, it was the first one in the world that took a camera and stitched multiple lenses together where you could capture wide fields. And you could capture an entire stadium, football field, and never miss a thing. And it was an incredible piece of technology. We got a lot of interest from aerospace, a lot of interest from some of the big tech giants, and eventually got acquired. And it was sort of at this moment where I sort of had this feeling where I needed to do something more with my life. You know what I mean? It was yet another company, yet another tech. And so one of the board members of that company uh, essentially reached out to a mutual friend and said, you need to meet this person called Christoph the Speaker. He's this guy who's done a strong of exits to the valley. He's doing some incredible stuff. He's built storage technologies and cloud, et cetera, et cetera. And you need to meet him. Both of you will mesh together. And he's working on something cool. He's cooking a cool idea. So he flew down to Dubai in 2015. And I have to say, I was like super excited to meet him. But very, very first thing I noticed about him was super humble, really open, you know what I mean? And he too was kind of searching for something different because he had also gone through the string of exiting companies and wanted something more with his life. And he started telling me about some of the issues with the industry, like data centers, the problems with how our, our internet's brought to us, some of the complexity layers that are in the stack, storage and computation, how we deal with it and how human intensive it is. And he's like, I've been trying to resolve this problem for a long time. I think I have the pieces to the puzzle. And I think we need to, and, and at that point, we just sort of loved it. it was like love at first sight. He ended up canceling his plans to going through the valley. And we started really the first iteration of what Threefold is, sort of realizing the promise of the original internet. And it was born in the UAE. So it's an incredible story. And ever since then, it's been really a, a school of knowledge for me. I did not know how complex the systems of IT were. But I've had an incredible co-founders and mentors who basically helped, you know, build the entire IT world and background space in my in my scope, and it was incredible. I've been in charge now of the foundation of threefold for the last five years, which is really building a global movement around peer-to-peer -peer internet 
And it's really an honor every day to wake up and be a part of a huge movement trying to build something for humanity that really can uplift and empower people. Yeah, well, what would you say is your first experience um, within the crypto and blockchain space? Was it tied into your experiences with, with IT and uh, what you did with these companies in the background or was it more personal for you? It was really, in, the, in a sense for us, it was really a tool that we used because as, a, as the past several years, we've been focusing on infrastructure and that's our background. And we really looked at the, the sort of the advent of cryptography and the way it could sort of be added as an additional tool to create consensus, to create all kinds of cool smart contracts on top of what we were doing. But we use it more of the tool. So first, I would even say first and foremost, Threefold is a software and infrastructure technology company. But we definitely, our first interaction with it, I think would say is probably when we started it in 2015, it was more of like exploring how we can apply it to get scale, how we can apply it to get mass consensus. And that's where, where our first question. And then of course, personally, I got very interested in it and tracked a lot of the early tokens, a lot of the first Ethereum and other projects that came about in the early days and it's fantastic growth in the region. In fact, we have a lot of love for the industry, what they're doing and a lot of companies are pushing the barrier in so many aspects. Got it. Regarding threefold, let's start talking about it a bit more. What are you guys trying to do in terms of this peer-to-peer uh, -peer open internet, open network? Great. Um, it's okay if I quickly just divert a little bit just to talk about yeah. some of the challenges because it would be sure. great to put it for context. Um, the internet has grown exponentially and I think nobody expected it to grow this way in the last 10 years. In fact, I, in fact, we're seeing what's happening with this massive growth, billion people coming on board in 2025 and you have you know, 70 billion devices coming online. Nobody even anticipated how Facebook would grow to 3 billion users, right? It's insane. But what we don't realize that the underneath of the tip of the iceberg is basically that there is a massive consolidation happening at the back end of the Internet. So if you really follow the applications and go beyond all the wires and cables, you get to really the engines of our Internet. And we call these things these data centers. And so these data centers essentially are huge warehouses full of computers, you know, floor to ceiling, and they're manned by a lot of people. And this is the way we know how to deal with building our, our public clouds. Today, it's like three companies that own 50% of the global capacity, which is nuts. You know, 20 companies own 80% actually of all of our data center capacity in the world, which means big tech has become massively powerful. And I think, Brandon, you know, you've seen all these situations that have happened in the past with our data, we are a product, we're being manipulated with behavioral data analytics constantly, are, are, are actually the way we're putting all our eggs in a digital basket in these, in actually in these data centers, also not very secure, it's very vulnerable. If you look at what's happened recently in, in recent times with the conflict in Ukraine, you have the first things that sort of get attacked are data centers. You know, attacks, whether digitally or physically, this is the backbone of our society. But the only way we know how to do it today is let's build massive, big warehouses. And that's not really the issue, is not really with the small, let's say small uh, boutique data centers, but it's more that's being consolidated and owned by a few big companies. And so here's the dilemma. So you have this security issue with this model, right? Uh, we try and put it in these big bunkers or in mountains or in tier three, and you try and secure it as much as you can. But at the end of the day, there's vulnerabilities in being able to get there through cyber attacks, which have cost hundreds of billions of dollars you know, over the years. We've had issues where people get, get paid off in the data center, human error, all kinds of things where you have physical uh, sort of contact with that. And it makes it super, super available, uh, vulnerable. And at the same time, most countries, don't even want to use public clouds owned by these tech giants because why would they hand over 
their information for their future and their bright minds in the hands of other companies. So we have a serious sort of dilemma of how we're going to scale in the future with our information. And the second thing is really, I would say, scalability. If you look at the global map today of where these big giant data centers live, they live essentially in most power, modern, you know, very um, well-to-do countries. They're not in emerging markets and developing regions. And they essentially are given just long packed cables to get to these data centers. And what does that mean? The further away you are from the data center, the more expensive you pay. Uh, the, the worse the, the actual service is, the latency increases. And so you have townships in Africa paying factors more for internet capacity than somebody in a city, which is absolutely inhumane. It's incorrect. So this is another factor that limits us. So why don't we just take surface and start moving them around? The problem is they're like, they're like babies. You need to feed them. You need to take care of them. You need to watch over them. They're not just hands off. And I think the other thing that we really see as a huge challenge is the environmental issue, which is these things take 10% of global energy today. We take a cluster of all data centers and forecast how much energy they can take in the future. At the rate of growth, we're looking at something like maybe 25% of global energy. We're in an energy crisis right now. So I think these challenges are under, under basically underpin a lot of the things that we're trying to resolve as people. And I think maybe to tie it in how it all fits in with the model of blockchain and the model of, let's say, the original internet, is that Web1 was a really cool place. You just had computer networks, right? Connected directly to computers. You read static information, but it was point to point. Then Web2 came along and we've got this client server architecture where everything goes to the data center and you have the central control of information. And I think Web3 came along with the hope to help decentralize a lot of these elements. And I love that. Smart contracts, you know, cryptography seals, ledgers, all of these great things help create a lot of consensus, even better governance models. The problem is that it's also shared architecture. So if you try to resolve the cloud problem, the storage problem, the operating system problem, it's not very scalable as a multi, you know, to reach billions of people. And so you have to maintain that ledger as a blockchain. Uh, you have to have certain things that are constantly public. You need to have consensus in other ways that are not scalable in this model. So how do we resolve it? This is what we went back to the drawing board. And we sort of took a lot of um, note from the original internet in the sense that like a Napster model, point to point is so much more efficient. And everything about IT today is asking for immediate access, local access, give it to me next to me. You know what I mean? I need to have my sensor and my data center really, really close to each other. So we started working around that model. And what we ended up doing is building over the last, I think, it's close to eight years, but we've had predecessor technology that we brought on board in storage and optimization and basically created a new operating system, which basically runs completely in a decentralized way. It's the first of its kind. It's built off of Linux, uh, but, you know, just like basically drivers and that's it. And from the get go, this this decentralized operating system runs autonomously. It doesn't have any state. You don't download it into the physical infrastructure. It doesn't sit in storage, so you don't have to manage it or maintain it. All it does is essentially expose the building blocks you need to build a cloud, storage, compute, network. And we're adding now GPUs, by the way, which is super cool. And I think that's the first thing that we needed to conquer is like that unifying layer. How do we get anyone involved in it? So we did an operating system. We couldn't build ourselves on top of the existing modalities. The second thing we did was we built a really cool storage system, which is unlike anything else. We call it a quantum safe storage system. And it's quantum safe, not that it has quantum technology in it, but that it's, it's safe against quantum computers because the way we store information, and I didn't mention this earlier, but scale has to do our, we have to make a lot of copies. And in data centers, we actually have to copy a whole data center to back it up, right? So it's, 
one goes down, you got it ready. This model is not scalable. It causes a lot of overhead, cost, again, security breaches because you have all your data in one place. So we created this quantum safe storage, which basically disperses your information, kind of like a Sudoku puzzle. So if you were to have 20 nodes in a market and just deployed your data on it, it would spread your data over those 20 nodes in a Sudoku puzzle. In order to hack it, you would need to be on 16 sites simultaneously, know exactly where those node locations are, have the encryption keys, and then basically hack it at the same simultaneous moment. We think it's far more secure than having your data in one place. And this resolves a lot of problems because we can do zettabytes of data in the storage system. We're not limited to scale. So this is very interesting now for cloud projects, very interesting for blockchain projects as well to sit on top of that. And then the last and final thing we need to do is to tie it together with this peer-to-peer -peer network, which is essentially create a mesh network that uses a VPN overlay that allows people to go point to point and data to flow without having these gatekeepers, right? Deciding where data should move. It just goes like this call we're having right now, why the hell should it go directly to a data center and a couple of gatekeepers before it reaches you? We should just have it point to point. If we were having a direct Zoom call or if we're having any kind of messaging, it's always point to point. That's always the most efficient. So that's how we came up with the model. We built a technology platform that way. And then we said, instead of being another company pushing the agenda, let's build it in a decentralized way. Let's run it as a foundation that's completely driven by people. Let's get a model kind of like solar panels where you instead of taking your power from a power station, you just put solar panels on your roof and you're generating internet, decentralized internet cloud from your home, from your office, from your school, from wherever it is. And you can use any computer, uh, use, new. We have pre-configured ones on our site, but in the end, we want it to be as accessible as possible. And that's the modality behind it. So you as a person can download our operating system into this box, this computer and become part of a global decentralized cloud which is incredible, really an incredible advent. And that has changed the narrative because it has grown exponentially since our start in 2015. And now we're, I think we're, we're close to 77 countries, 3000 nodes uh, online. Uh, we have really, it's an incredible movement that has gone really word of mouth. We haven't done any ICO or IEO. It's literally been technology first, growing communities and trying to push this network out there. Yeah, first of all, I congratulate you on the success with it. It's fantastic um, getting so much interest in people wanting to use a decentralized system and OS and network. Um, it's always been a challenge for a long time. Um, let's talk a bit more about how you guys encourage and incentivize people to get into the system to contribute because in a decentralized network, it relies totally on the people participating. Um, to really make it work because you don't have that centralized server or database or body that controls the information. Um, what are some of the things you guys do to encourage and incentivize people to participate in the network more specifically? No, thank you for that question. Absolutely. There are definitely incentive mechanisms built into the model. Uh, what we wanted, what we're trying to be is honestly, just like how Bitcoin decentralized the financial industry, we created the threefold token which is a utility token that we want to be the, the token of the new internet, essentially backed by internet capacity. So in order to do that, we created a tokenomic model that only generates tokens through proof of capacity. You add a box to the network and the blockchain, the people blockchain will recognize how much infrastructure you're bringing to the table, whether how much storage compute network memory, and it will reward you in TFTs for maintaining a certain SLA uh, for a period of 30 days. And then they'll keep that going for a life cycle of five years or 60 months. So essentially, every token that comes into existence is generated in a decentralized way. It's generated by actually valuable internet capacity that we need as society. 
and it is actually built also on tokenomics where there it's a utility at the end so there's burning um, and the way we work is we separated utilization and cultivation cultivation is what we call the farming aspect of it we don't like mining because of the negative energy connotation but essentially it's minting tokens by connecting hardware that's basically farming and what happens is you've already been rewarded for bringing the uh, the energy or the internet energy generator from your home that's it the next part leaves a lot of margin on the decentralized network for people to build applications so developers developers can now just buy three pull tokens and basically deploy workloads in a decentralized way in a very simple way using industry standard tools so kubernetes helm you name it they basically can just drag and drop applications on top of the threefold network and instantaneously get access to a decentralized backend that works with them, that works in the way they want them to work. They can deploy it in any locality they want. And this is the phase we're going at now. We really partnered very well with blockchain projects who, are, who see this as the future solution really to Web3. And we kind of call it beyond blockchain in a way, it's sort of like a Web4 solution. Because when you create a missing layer, which is this ubiquitous capacity that we all need, a single source of truth for our decentralized internet, then you really have resolved the last mile, right? You've resolved the mile of the part that you can build a foundation based on uh, a strong structure. And this is what we want. So a lot of our projects have got a lot of support and love from a lot of great projects. And I think that this is the way forward. Creative people will build amazing alternatives to you know, the video conferencing tools and the websites and, and the DNS hosting and all these cool things where you basically will have a, a this is these are the building blocks for you to build a decentralized future. Let's talk about it from a business perspective. Um, this solution has been put together a number of times and makes a lot of sense and it kind of bats back against the high prices and issues that exist currently with using, let's say, Google Drive or Dropbox or Amazon, AWS or something like that. With decentralized storage, you're able to, I assume, create a backend for an app or a website, uh, access information and store information. What's what's that feature through you guys look like? Uh, maybe even compared to something that exists already, like IPFS. What's what's kind of similar? What's different? Are there any benefits to using it for a biz in a business capacity versus something more centralized or traditional? I think, from even from a cost perspective, just to talk a little bit about the efficiency of having peer-to-peer -peer systems because. Peer-to-peer -peer systems can really reduce the cost and energy consumption of a lot of the devices in the field. And by not having hands-on, like we talked about the system administrators that manage these networks, you drop, again, the cost even further. So we've done cost comparatives with us and additional cloud players, and even compared to a lot of blockchain projects that are trying to scale, I think what we see is our production cost is so low because at the end, we are we've removed a lot of the overhead on the internet. Our storage and um, we use even less hardware to do what we do. So essentially we are looking at our production costs for, I can't remember the environment size, but it's, it's comparable almost like close to 10X almost. And that's it's incredible. And that can be scaled even further depending on having more points of location. That's one. I think the second thing is people can use this as an unbreakable storage system in a way. Quantum safe storage is something we all need, whether it's for security camera deployments. And the way it really looks is, People get access to a decentralized cloud portal, essentially, where they can then deploy their workloads and storages and, and storage uh, use cases, depending on what their workloads are, and then cluster them they are geographically and have them closer to the point of where they need them to be actually applied. If their customer base is in New York, they can select a bunch of nodes around New York and create a decentralized storage environment 
that's catered to that to that specific use case, whatever that may be. So it's far more scalable. I think a lot of, again, when we mentioned about Web3 and how we had limitations of scalability, you have to keep a copy of your ledger constantly. And that makes blockchains very, very heavy. What we can do is we essentially do a service for blockchains is we can prune that and store it in long-term archiving and allow blockchains to get past that blockchain trilemma. You know, the, what Vitalik Buterin was telling about uh, decentralization scale and, and, and security and not compromising on that. Gotcha. Um, I know you guys also have a decentralized operating system as, I guess, the front end for this, like zero OS. What does it take to run that, like on a computer or to utilize it, uh, to, to build something with it? Um, can you give a bit more detail? Sure. You need the basics that you need are storage, computation, um, access to the internet, and some power, and basically, obviously, some memory and a CPU. But these things can be done on, run on a Raspberry Pi. I mean, we're talking about really small devices. Anything also with Intel or AMD can run it. It runs anything compatible with Linux can run our operating system. So it's literally compatible with everything. And I think as, a, as an offering, just to add, I think the idea of having now storage, computation, obviously bandwidth and networking, and GPUs in one cluster is incredible. The market has not seen anything like that in a decentralized way. We've seen segments of it. But I think what we can do, and what I say this to a lot of our blockchain friends is, even if you are working in the storage computation space, you can take advantage of our operating system to scale your project. You can use the nodes to scale it. So we're really friends with a lot of IPFS can run on top of us. This is the beauty of what we've done. It's ubiquitous to everyone. And it changes the, the paradigm of how we, we work now. We don't have to have our nodes. We don't have to have Ethereum nodes sitting in cloud hosting services. Now we have, I think it's like 6,000 out of the 9,000 are sitting in you know, centralized cloud providers, which is nuts for a project that's trying to decentralize itself, but they don't have an alternative right now. And managing nodes is a pain in the butt, honestly. <laughs> right. Let me ask you a bit more of a fun question because we've talked about uh, quantum computing a little bit here and touched on quantum resistance. Um, and I know probably people are very interested in the idea given the fact that we're advancing so, so quickly in computing and uh, given the issues with Moore's law, this is being more and more relevant. Do you think quantum computing is a realistic issue in the near future? And do you think it is any kind of threat to actually um, breaking blockchain or the encryption behind it or rendering all these models useless potentially? Is there really uh, a need for quantum resistance? I believe that we need to prepare ourselves. I mean, it's the same thing when we think about AI and not to divert, but it's the same exact thing. Let's prepare mm -hmm. ourselves as a society technologically for what can be done. Right now, I think having a quantum safe storage system allows us to now scale very important information and data that's really sensitive to us in a way where a quantum computer cannot read it because there's not enough fragments of information for it to register. That's how we can start thinking with everything. AI, we're looking at beyond now building this layer. We're building, for example, something we've been working on for quite some time is how do you exist online digitally, right? Your digital self. We call this a digital twin where it essentially is a, it's an end component of that needs a ubiquitous layer that we're building. But now, instead of connecting to servers and nodes, you are the server, you are the internet. And everything around you works in a way where you have access to everything you need, your own email, you are the server, you are everything around it. So point to point with your digital person. And you need that kind of, in order to be able to do that and protect yourself against AI, that's one of the things we've thought about. What happens if we have a runaway AI model 
that just starts ingesting everybody in sense of manipulating data and behavior. We need to start thinking that way. And if there are technologists out there or visionaries out there or people looking, they should definitely try and see ahead of the curve if we can and try to mitigate it as we can as we are now. But I think in solving the problems we have today, we're going to be solving a lot of these issues also in the future because it's about bringing that power center away from a lot of these big tech companies or at least showing them another way that they can invest their money. Got it. How can people get started if they want to start using threefold and playing around with it and setting it up? Where do they go? Just the website or where should you direct them to? Definitely the website's the best place, threefold.io. Um, I think if you're somebody out there that wants to help expand the internet, become a farmer. It's one of the most incredible things. You're contributing to the internet and you can buy anything you want locally from your own neighborhood. But in the end, if you don't have any technical skills, just buy a threefold node and install it in your home and you're part of contributing to the internet. I think that's the one really important thing. We're trying to scale as much as possible. Um, the second thing is obviously for us is develop tools on top of the threefold grid. If you're interested developer, um, get out there, take a look at our documentation, reach out to us and we can get you onto our test net and to our beta and you can play around with the tools. And then we're bringing now our projects online onto the grid where now we're deploying some incredible projects. I mean, amazing projects from alternative social media tools to alternative communication tools. It's incredible and all done by community members. Uh, the third thing I'd say, please, if you're interested in this, in this project, support the foundation. If you're interested in, in being a part of the internet economy, buy the people token. If you're interested in just being a part of the community, join us, join the, the forum. We have a decentralized forum where we communicate everything. We are essentially becoming a DAO in the next three months. We're pushing very hard on the envelope because we want to be out of the equation. It's like, I personally want to not have a job in the future in a way. It's like you're kind of preparing it so you can hand it over to the community. It's the most incredible feeling because we want this to be a democratically run, uh, democratically run system. And we want upgrades and maintenance and things like that that can never need to happen in the future to be done for the community. And this is an incredible thing. I would say that is it. But maybe on top of that, we just to give you an idea for people at home, is we just did a, a very amazing project in Dubai where there was a developer uh, called Paradise Hills. And they agreed to put threefold nodes as a gift to every homeowner that bought their property. This is the first time it's ever happened. So basically, wow. every homeowner, it's crazy. Every, every homeowner basically gets a node. And they, they get to enter the threefold economy. And what happens is they, decide, they create a decentralized cloud from their neighborhood, which now contributes to the UAE expanded coverage of internet capacity. They receive threefold tokens for their participation. And honestly, it's incredible because there's a digital ROI, there's a real estate ROI, and it's meshing together. And I think this has a huge, tremendous value for the real estate market. But you can do this anywhere, right? You can do this in, uh, in hotels, in co-working spaces like imagine if we work put it in their facilities how cool would that be they also have an ecosystem of startups that can use it so there's a tremendous amount of ideas where you can get creative and start deploying those everywhere yeah there's a lot of ways it could spread this very very quickly um I, I could see it in so many different ways it's it's really exciting what um you mentioned the forum like public place where people can chat and uh, integrate talk to the community where can they go to do that specifically do you also have like a discord or a telegram or we have our own forum. It's called forum.threefold.io. And okay. um, yeah, it's, it's a cool place to be. We have a lot of topics. We ask about everything, even, you know, where do you want to see the future of the token going? And how do you want to get involved in a project? How, what kind of project do you want to build in your own community? It's very community centric. And I think this has been the most important thing for us right now is literally focusing on building this one community at a time. And I really am excited about taking our project to the US as well. We're getting a lot of excitement from universities that represent a lot of minority 
uh, colleges and also Indian country, which is super cool. Uh, I feel like this is a these are the minor that these are the groups, these are the communities that need it and can really benefit from this sort of passive income model and ex and really explode in building amazing tools that benefit their communities. Yeah, where can people find you guys on social media and where they can they find you on social media if you are? We're on Twitter, Discord, um, the rest. I think uh, all the standard ones, <laughs> Facebook as well. But I think in the end, you know, reach out to us on our Telegram. That's probably where we're most active. Um, I, we definitely want to push more people who are interested in talking and bringing ideas to the forum so that everyone can contribute in the discussion. Perfect. Guys, go follow Adnan. Go follow Threefold. Uh, like the video and subscribe if you haven't already. Adnan, thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Really explain what you guys are doing with Threefold. It's very exciting. I love these decentralized uh, networks and systems and being able to you know, create so many different cool solutions out of them, get away from the centralized world just a little bit more. Um, again, very excited about what you're doing. So keep me updated on everything. Thank you, Brandon, for having me. Have an amazing day. You too. Talk soon.